Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Sam. Yeah. Read this. What is it? My resignation. Your what? Read it, read it. Dear Sam, although my tenure here has been one of value and enlightenment, still. You faut cultiver notre jardin. Come on. First of all, nobody resigns from a bar, and second of all, nobody resigns in Latin. It's uh, French, Sammy. What does it mean? Well, because of the uh, idiomatic peculiarities, it can't really be translated into uh, English. One must cultivate one's own garden. Oh, well, 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 Diane, you took some liberties with the uh, derogatory tense there, but uh, I think we'll let it slide this time, huh? Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. Everybody knows your name You want to go where people know People are all the same You want to go where everybody knows your name Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and I am excited to welcome another first-time guest on this show, but he is no rookie to the world of podcasting. In fact, if you wanted to get lyrical with his name, you could even call him a podcasting machine. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Gene Hendricks. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for being. Thank you for your patience. I, I think I talked to you about the show pretty early on, but uh, I was like, I, I booked season one really fast, so I'm gonna have to wait a little bit. <laughs> well, Cheers is a very popular show for people in our age group, so that really doesn't surprise me at all. And you kind of set up my next question pretty well. <laughs> so, what is your Cheers origin story? How and when did you discover it? Well, Cheers, and you've heard this before, but Cheers is one of those shows like MASH and like Night Court that to me has always been there. Where I grew up on the Jersey Shore, we were pretty much equidistant from Philadelphia and New York City. So we got both cities' channels. So we got two CBSs, two NBCs, two ABCs, two Foxes, etc. So Cheers was one of those things that was pretty much constantly in reruns like it, this channel would have you know cheers on from seven to eight and this one would have it on from six to seven <laughs> so i was watching coach and woody episodes in the same night <laughs> okay <laughs> so it was just one of those things where you would be flipping through is like oh cool cheers is on let me watch this so i i don't remember discovering it it was just there it was it was, it was yeah it was one of those shows like mash that my parents would watch i I'm pretty sure they would watch the new episodes, but I don't remember that. I don't remember that being like a family sit-down thing like, say, The Cosby Show was, where that was just one of the, oh, this is coming on tonight. We all have to plan around it. 
but it 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 was on every day. It mm-hmm. seemed. Yeah, I, I definitely remember that time too. And and for me, for my family, it was that every every new episode we were glued on Thursday to to our seats to watching <laughs> Cheers and and Night Court, as you mentioned too. Cosby Show too because it was one of the lead-ins, um, but then yeah, I, I do remember when Cheers was in syndication. Uh, I, I was always catching the reruns too, and it was one like if the rerun was on, I was watching it. So yeah, all right, cool. Well, let us get into uh, our episode, which is season two, episode three, titled "Personal Business." This episode is written by Tom Reader, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, October 20th, 1983. When Carla complains that Sam gives Diane special treatment because of their relationship, Diane reassesses her work status and quits her job at Cheers. Two weeks later, she tells the gang she lined up a new job as a proofreader at a publishing house. But when her prospective boss calls Sam for a recommendation... Diane learns that he's only interested in hiring her because he's attracted to her. Sam convinces Diane to come back to work at Cheers, but she realizes that Sam doesn't care about her waitressing ability. He only wants her back because they're dating. Another job, essentially based on sleeping with the boss. But when she brings this harsh truth to Sam, he throws it back at her that the only reason she would settle for a job at Cheers is because she wants to sleep with him. So he is every bit the victim of whatever kind of weird workplace sexual quagmire they inhabit. <laughs> also, in a subplot to the episode, Norm and his wife Vera have separated. And that is the, that is the, the summary for this structurally kind of weird episode of of cheers and big picture what were your overall thoughts about this one i found this one interesting in that i wasn't sure if diane was actually had a plan in mind like she was trying to manipulate sam in in the beginning you know Mm -hmm. by quitting to try and make him keep her there for whatever reason or if she was just that out of whack trying to oh i can quit and get a job anywhere and she technically could except you know the whole morals thing (laughs) (laughs) damn those pesky morals but i i enjoyed watching it and i watched it actually today i watched it twice i watched first time to take notes and then another time just to make sure it was fresh in my head and even knowing what the payoff was it was still it was still fun to watch Mm mm-hmm There is something I noticed today, because I watched it twice, and I'm looking for little things. Norm, I noticed, has Norman Osborn hair. If if you look at the wave in George Wendt's hair, when the light catches it, it looks like Steve Ditko drawing Norman Osborn. (laughs) I'll have to look closer again. Especially when he's doing his prowl around the bar. He's doing his prowl, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that I found funny because, you know, he's – I'm picturing myself in a bar because, you know, Norm and I, same general body type. You know, he's walking around. He sits down. Well, they know where to find me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. And, like, that sort of whole sort of subplot. He comes in. It's kind of an interesting setup because he does his whole sort of entrance and uh, Coach asks, how's life treating you? And he says, the same and everybody's kind of like, oh, that's too bad. And they're kind of really, but it's this weird because you're, you're used to Norm coming in and having the punchline and, and that great little witty Normism when he does his entrance. But the mm. thing, the way this is written is when he says the same, that's not funny. 
what's sort of funny is the way that people react to it when they're like, oh, that's too bad. As if, the same as if he's like always sort of put upon, he's he's having like this bad streak and everything like that. So it's it's one of those normisms that I, like, it doesn't really work unless you're really familiar with the show and the characters. Yeah, this isn't an episode that you can just drop into. Yeah. Because, yeah. because of that, because of the Norm Vera situation, if you didn't know all that ahead of time. Yeah. He has the one funny line about, you know, uh, and she says, I never listened to her, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, you don't get the, the whole thing from this, the past year plus of every t- single time Vera comes up, he's got something right. Right. Going exactly. on about her. And the same, same with Diane and Sam. If you don't know the first seasons, will they, won't they, this doesn't hit as hard. Of her just saying, yes, I'll, I'll just walk out. Because it, it seems like, oh, they're dating, but you know they can pick it up wherever. Whereas Sam almost feels betrayed by her leaving. Yeah, it's... I, I mean, I guess you're right. It's, it's not really a new user... It's not a new viewer-friendly episode as much as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, and for this time period where it was episodic television, that's actually kind of bold. Mm-hmm. To, to have these storylines carry over, you know, Norm still having trouble finding work after all this time. Right, <laughs> you know, he, right. got, he got the job and then said, no, they're cheating on their taxes. I'm gone. <laughs> and he's out of work again. Again, you know, it's money versus scruples. And mm-hmm. with the uh, the phone recommendation that Sam has to do later on, you know, after he <laughs> prized the phone away from coach. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, one one of the funnier bits we'll, in the whole we'll, thing. We'll get back to that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Diane takes the phone, you know, I wouldn't work for you for, you know, if it was the last job in Boston. How much? Yeah. Is that including dental? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the same with the, the, the uh, waitress competition. Right, you know, exactly. At, at, you know, as soon as the cash is there, she the scruples kind of go to the side a little bit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She kind of gets blinded by that the, the money, yeah. Uh... Yeah, and he's sort of, so, so, so kind of like sticking with like the norm subplot, just going through those beats because he comes in, he does the thing, he he tells the group that you know his he and his wife have separated, um, and they're like, what what happened? And he, as you alluded to it, he's like, you know, she says we never communicated, and yak yak yak, a whole bunch of other <laughs> stuff, and it's like perfect sort of understatement of like the the norm and Vera relationship as we've come to understand it, how much he doesn't care, and and then he says something, he's like, I've already got my own new pad and everything because they're trying to coax, you know, buck him up, make him feel good about being a new kind of bachelor and, you know, he can he can be like a man on the prowl now and get back in the dating scene. But, but yeah, like Norm is like, yeah, I got my own pad now. He's like, you know that nice, wonderful building by the waterfront? And they're like, oh yeah. He's like, well, you, t- you drive that way, you take a left for about a half an hour and don't come at <laughs> night when you get there. So it's like, it's a horrible neighborhood. But, but you're right. Like, he does this whole thing. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm you know, Norm on the prowl now. And he does this sort of sauntering around the, the perimeter of the bar, just kind of looking at women, kind of like making the eyes and everything, looking them up and down, like showing himself, and then just plops down back on the seat <laughs> and drinks a beer. And they're like, so what was that about? And he's like, yeah, they know where to find me. <laughs> it's just, different. he's not going to make them more than halfway. <laughs> right. If, if that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I can kind of understand that because I've never been in that situation where I'm going after a girl. My wife came to me. Mm-hmm. 
I have no idea why. I mean, she must have had some type of brain injury or something. <laughs> but she s- sought me out, and then we started dating. And I've never, anytime I've tried to ask a girl out, I've been shot down like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I can see where Norm's coming from. Is like, I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> And when you think about how much effort Norm put into his marriage, when you yeah. now he's expected to do that to a relative stranger and like kind of start from square one again, uh, he probably isn't going to – I don't think he's up to that. I don't think he's capable of dating. No, no, uh, not, not, not at all. And it even and that uh, that even comes up later on because Coach later on in the episode says like you know how did Norm and Vera meet? And Norm, Norm set up his grade. He's like he's like I didn't I never told you this we were in high school together. And Coach's <laughs> response is we were. <laughs> and Norm explains it. he's like no he and he and Vera were like high school sweethearts <laughs> and he, she was known for giving hickeys that lasted yeah. forever. <laughs> she gave me one in high school and went away a week last or a year last Christmas. <laughs> wow, yeah. that um, must have been interesting when he had physicals. <laughs> right, right. So then we get a call from Vera. Or Norm tries to call Vera um, to just kind of like see what she's doing. It finds out that she is on a date. So then, in order to make her jealous, or at least to make it seem like Norm isn't, you know, like, you know, striking out, or that he's not, like, desperately lonely, Carla takes the phone from him and pretends to be Norm's date and puts on this sultry, sexy voice, describing to Vera what a man Norm is and how he makes her feel like a woman. And I had to think, the episode before this was the one where Rhea Perlman played dual parts. She played Carla and Carla's little sister, and now with this one afterward, like we're really seeing a range from Rhea Perlman across these two episodes of the different oh. things that she can play. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this between that part and everything with Diane, you know, Diane quits and it's it's the best day of Carla's life. She gives this whole speech about how her life is, hasn't been a bag of roses. <laughs> Yeah, she, and, even, she mentions that her dad, her old man, used to beat her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like everything. She she bounced in and out of reform schools, which is sort of canonical. We we know that because she has mentioned previously going to school at St. Cletus's Reform School for Wayward Girls or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then when Diane comes back, Carl starts beating her head, <laughs> head on, on the on, bar. Yeah. <laughs> nice nice foley work there, getting the sound effect of the metal bar. Yeah. Yeah, and even you know. Carl comes up, oh, congratulations on getting the new job. It didn't kill me to say that, and then keels over. And Samson, Carl, get back to work. <laughs> yeah. She, Rhea Perlman in this just sh- shows an amazing range of what she can do, including, at the very beginning, a Vulcan death grip on Diane. <laughs> yes, by the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she has to, she, yeah, Diane is like, babbling on to two of her customers about like authors who have drank themselves to death and Carla has to bring her to another table so they, they can get their check and just grabs her by the face and drags her and and the way Car- the way Diane plays it off is wonderful too because she like goes from threatening Carla she's like if you ever do that again I'll make you regret it for the rest of your life and oh by the way would this be a bad time to ask you for a favor <laughs> <laughs> which is their relationship really sniping each other and then Diane asked for something. Right, right. Which sets up this whole sort of thing in the beginning of 
Diane wants to take a day off of work so that she can go see some, you know, speech about something that really means something to her. Carla isn't willing to trade days with her, so they have to go to Sam, and Carla's like, well, of course Sam's going to do what Diane wants because you're sleeping together, and, and Sam is trying to, you know, de- like defend this and everything, and is put in this uh, in this tough spot. And Diane, it sort of clicks for Diane, and she realizes, she's like, you know, I'm not going to do it. She's like, I, it was wrong of me to ask. She's like, I, I've come to this this decision. And then we deal with Norm stuff, and when the next time we see Diane, she hands Sam this piece of paper, or even like on a cocktail napkin or something. No, it, it's the it's the back of a receipt. It's the back of a receipt. Yeah, yeah it's uh, she turned she ripped a ticket off her pad and wrote it on the back. Yeah, and he's like, "What is this?" She's like, "It's my letter of resignation." And he, <laughs> she makes him read it, and he has this whole thing. And it, it culminates with a, a phrase in French. But of course, Sam doesn't realize. It. He's like, "Come on!" He's like, "Nobody resigns from a bar, and nobody does it in Latin." <laughs> <laughs> and then Cliff says something correct. He says, "No, that's French." But then he says, "No, I can't translate it because of the you know, the, 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 the yeah, the, yeah. The, you you can't get a direct translation with <laughs> Diane just rattles it right. Off. She, yeah, but you took some liberties with this tense, Diane. Yeah, with the declarative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to play it off and everything, but yeah, it basically one must cultivate one's own garden. So she's she's going to be off and everything. So that's that's kind of the setup that she's looking for her own job, and I think. This, uh, the whole premise of this, it, I mean, it's something that they have to sort of address, which is the fact that Diane is this educated, when we first meet her, she's a grad student, and yes, she is having an affair with her professor, and she was about to marry him, but she is a very bright, professional type of person who comes from old money. It's like, why does she stay at Cheers for longer than a week? Mm-hmm. Why is she still there after all this time? And... You know, the the episode kind of makes it seem like nobody else is hiring. That like she just she couldn't get a job anywhere else that, without these strings attached. And it's do you believe that? I don't know. It's Well, I I kind of do. One, you know, the reason she stay at Cheers is like she admits at the end of the episode, she was attracted to Sam from the beginning. That wasn't the entire reason, but that was part of it. So she was there because of Sam. The reason she can't get another job is if you listen to the stuff she rattles off about what she studied, it's all theoretical, (laughs) arts-based. It's – none of it is like a practical office-type application. So she doesn't have any practical work experience except as a cocktail waitress. Right. So it's going to be kind of tough in a job market to get a job that isn't – just manual labor with that kind of educational background. You, you could possibly get a job in education. Yeah, I was going to say it would have to be something in academia. Yeah. yeah. But she bounced around so much between majors, <laughs> no one's going to hire her for that. Right. So she's basically down to the last possibility, which is proofreading for this small company, except that also comes with the boss expects you to strip naked, apparently. <laughs> right, right. Which does come up when, when she comes back and she says that she's got this job, but it's not quite, the, the deal isn't completely sealed, but they need to call, the boss is going to call Sam for a recommendation. I will skip over the part where Coach answers the phone because <laughs> that is my home run for the episode. Okay. So I'll bring that up later, but eventually Sam gets the phone and he's like, yeah, he's like, absolutely, I can recommend Diane. She's She's brilliant. You know, she'll do, she'll be great at whatever you want. And he's like, well, I don't think I want to answer that question. 
And Diane, mm-hmm. of course, is right there. She's like, no, no, answer, answer. He's like, no, I don't, I don't think I should answer that question. Diane is like pushing him to do it. And he finally, finally, Sam just relents and says, all right, yeah, I've seen her naked. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way both actors play that, because you can see Shelley Long is just like, ah, oh, so frustrated and kind of like beaten down by that house. And then Sam has to take his hand away, like his mouth away from the phone and just kind of like sit there and wait and like process <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you want me to answer it? <laughs> yeah, that's that whole interaction from the time Diane comes in to announce that she's got a new job until she tells off the new guy on the phone is just it. It's just a string of priceless moments, right. including my home run is in there as well. Right, and and I mean it. It comes up on the show a lot, but I think. I would say, you know, Bob Newhart probably perfected the art of, like, the one-sided telephone conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, like, that was his thing. But the way the the cast of this show can do that, too, like, every one of them just nails the, the telephone conversations and, and the way they can set up and deliver a punchline, even if they only have half of it to go with. It's, oh, it's incredible. I, I know they're all very good actors, mm-hmm. but part of me wonders, do they have that phone connected to something? <laughs> like, do they have uh, an assistant director off to the side actually feeding them lines yeah, so they have the cadence correct? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Or I, they're just that good. <laughs> neither would surprise me. Right. Um, or it might be the case for some of them, yes. For some of them, no. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it depends on which what actor needed what, you know? I mean, if they're really method, they might need that other half of the conversation in order to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, once Diane basically, you know, despite the offer of money and dental and everything, they take the conversation, her and Sam, back into the office. Once Sam asks her to come back and she agrees, then they have their whole little, uh, their their sort of final scene about, you know, when she confronts him, she's like, you know, the only reason you're hiring me back is because we're sleeping together. And Sam <laughs> throws it back at her and basically just says the same thing that you were just kind of going over. He's like, there's no reason that you should work here except you want me to satisfy you your lusts. He's like, you have sex on the brain too, just as much as I do. So, and this whole thing kind of plays off as, you know, they're going to say, you know, we, we, for the sake of, you know, the business part of our relationship, we'll abstain from sleeping together for, you know, a period of months or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Diane comes up with one month. Right. Right. And then saying, oh, well, you know, Miss Chambers, please have a seat. And well, you know, I, I can bounce back even quicker than you think. You know, I, I can do it in two weeks. Well, by that thing, I can do it in one month, in one week. And they they finally get down to 15 minutes, at which point Sam says, you know, that's just about enough time to get back to my apartment. And they run. <laughs> yeah, they just run off together. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's that, that that felt like a sort of typical play on their relationship, and especially in these early days, like once when they're first together, how sexually charged it is. I mean, we, we see almost every episode, and like the beginning of the season has a moment where Diane comments that you know she's feeling strange or she's uneasy about something, or there's romance in the air or something, and Sam takes that as a sexual overture. He's like, "Somebody <laughs> cover the bar. We're going to the office or something." That happens <laughs> in like five out of the first seven episodes this season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now let me ask you this: <clears throat> that whole speech of Sam's—it's it, obviously a put-on. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really feel like a victim, but him ag- at least acknowledging that thought process—is that some way redeeming Sam, the womanizer, from the first season? Um, because I mean, as, as you you and others have stated, he's never malicious about it. 
Right. Now, he's he's doing it because the women want to have a good time as much as he does. But here he seems to be acknowledging the fact that, yeah, being seen purely as a sexual object is not necessarily a good thing. Mm -hmm. I I think it it might shine a different light on the obvious sexual harassment (laughs) issues from the first season and the (laughs) season two um, and the complicated nature of their relationship by saying making her just as witting and culpable of of things. but uh, kind of like suggesting that, you know, it's not like a it's not like just like because he as the boss, he has all the power in the relationship or something like that. Um, it, it might put a different context on that. Is it redeeming? I don't know. Um, yeah, I didn't have an answer for it either. It was just it, it's something that popped into my head watching it is like, you know, first season, Sam never would have thought about that. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think, like, for in terms of, like, his womanizing in general, what it might suggest, but... Well, listeners, if you have a thought on that, please go to firewaterpodcast.com <laughs> and leave a comment. So then, uh, it was just before we go, actually, going back to the very beginning of this episode, because uh, I sort of skipped over it, um, the teaser for this episode, uh, it starts off... Coach gets a call from Melville's upstairs that there's a table ready for the Anderson party, and he announced the table ready for the Anderson party, and two groups of people stand up, and they find out, hey, they're both named Anderson. Coach, which Anderson party is it for? So he has to call back up there and get clarification, and he says, I'm sorry, I was mistaken. It wasn't the Anderson party. It was the Blubber Butts, because one of the two couples is obviously much more heavy set than the other. Now... It is a funny joke, and it is wonderfully set up and delivered, but I don't think you could do that joke today. No. <laughs> it's it's a fat-shaming joke, and it's just, you look at it, it's like, oh, okay, I see what you did there, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a well-timed, well-delivered joke, but mm, no, you couldn't do that today. Yeah, especially, like, I was watching these episodes with my wife, and that, that joke happens, and she looks at me kind of shocked as... They went up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it was their table, but yeah. yeah, today they would storm at they they would probably storm up and rip the guy a new one. Right, right. But this they were just they just yeah, that's annoying, but it's a table in Melville's. Let's go. Right. Uh, yeah, and part of the joke being that like the coach shouldn't have announced it that way. He should, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a rational person, you know, with a thinking and caring brain would have <laughs> understood that and said, "Okay, let me come up with a different. Yeah, the one in the blue suit. Okay, yeah, you. So right. yeah, it's but then again, Coach is Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> movies. He is literal, right. <laughs> always. Yeah, metaphors don't go over his head. Nothing goes over his head. His reflexes <laughs> are too quick. <laughs> um, in terms of the guest cast, um, strangely enough, Mister Anderson number one and Mister Anderson number two. In the credits, they're both listed as Mrs. Anderson. Really? I didn't yeah. notice that. I, I don't know if it's a weird typo, or if maybe the script meant to give the dialogue to the wives. I, I have no idea. I think I think it's just a typo on the credits, but it said it listed them both as Mrs. Anderson 1 and Mrs. Anderson 2. Hmm. Um, the first one, uh, Mr. Anderson number 1, who unfortunately is also Mr. Blubberbutt, uh, is played by the actor Tony Braffa. 
And he's been in a few things, but what I recognized him instantly from, he was Enrico Palazzo from the movie The Naked Gun, from the Files of Police. <laughs> oh, okay. He That's was, where I knew him from. Yeah, he was the he was the opera singer who was going to go out and sing the national anthem, mm. um, and and Frank Drebin, played by Leslie Nielsen, had to replace him. He knocked him out and everything. But yeah, he had a very brief part in that, but that was what he was supposed to be. And then the other Mr. Anderson, number two, uh, played by James Ingersoll. This guy, looking at his IMD, like he has appeared in everything. Like I don't think he's ever had like a big recurring part, but he debuted in an episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker. Tons of genre shows like Airwolf, Knight Rider, Rockford Files, MacGyver, Star Trek Enterprise, all the way up to more recent things like House, Dexter, and The West Wing. Oh, wow. Um, and then the one other guest cast that was credited as customer number one, who's the one who asks Carla if he can get his waitress when she grabs Diane <laughs> by the face. Um, that is an actor named Patrick Stack, who, again, is a bunch of different things, but I only noted that his debut was in an episode of The Greatest American Hero. <laughs> Aha! Yeah. A series which I just discovered is on Amazon Prime. Oh, so nice. I'm, I'm going to have to. I, I watched the pilot episode fairly recently and How? realized I've never seen this. How does it I, hold up? <laughs> it's it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's it's 80s. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it, there are some things you just can't get around. But it's it's not bad from because you have the Maxwell character and the Ralph character they're obviously from two different sides of the aisle but they're able to actually come together on most things but they still have no this is the right way to do it no 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 this is the right way to do it and going back and forth I I thought it held up really really well I, I been, that's one that I've been thinking about I was like Ah, I, should I take? Because I, I haven't seen it. I I know about it basically through cultural osmosis um, mm-hmm. and the theme song. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've never watched it. And that's one of those things where I was like, "Do I want to check this out?" I was like, "If this is bad, it's gonna hurt my feelings." And it's like, well, I only watched the pilot so far. Mm-hmm. Now down the road, it the writing may have dropped off a bit, mm-hmm. but it's still uh, in in my memory. Most of them were all right. Uh, even as a kid, I realized that there were some ridiculous episodes. Mm-hmm. But I think overall it should hold up. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, ba- back to Cheers. Then um, for Norm's tab for this episode, I clocked him as having three beers this time around, which brings him to a series total of 110 mm. uh, so far. Uh, the Employee of the Week. Gene, who did you think was either the funniest, most dramatic, or overall most memorable cast member of this episode? Well, because of the interaction with both the Diane and the Norm plots, I had to pick Carla. Mm. She is, as we discussed already, she showed an amazing range yeah. going from completely put upon to extremely happy to bang your head on the bar to <laughs> pretending to be Jessica rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and she just, she was integral to both plots and it, it's, it, it's interesting that it's not in my mind. I, you know, this is someone who isn't the star of the show in this episode, but she was just all over the place. And I, I thought Carla was amazing. 
I did too. She was actually like, oh, she was my runner up. I, I, de- I definitely considered her for this. Um, I ended up giving it to another one who wasn't the star of this episode, although he had his own subplot. Which I gave this one to Norm. Uh, every line that he was given, like everything that he did, the saunter around the bar, uh, the fact that like this is going to be the start of a long running subplot of him being separated from Vera this season. Um, and just, like, a few of the lines, and actually, it's it's not him doing the funny thing, but, like, when Diane comes back, and she's like, she found a job, and Cliff is like, how come you couldn't find a job? You've been out of work for months. Like, hey. Ah, you're, you're yeah, coming into my best line, actually. Oh, okay, <laughs> then, uh, I'll say it, because I'll say that, but yeah, that whole, the that play on everything, and just, yeah, I, I thought Carlo was really good, I, everybody is really, really good, but I, overall, yeah. I thought Norm was the one that I kept watching to see what he was doing this episode, so, mm-hmm. very cool. Uh, well, then let's transition right into what was your home run? What was your favorite or funniest gag or best joke of the episode? All right. And th- this is mainly because I almost did a spit take <laughs> <laughs> when it was said. So as as you set up, you know, Diane says, you know, I found a job after two weeks. And Cliff looks at Norm and says, well, you know, she found a job after two weeks. Why is it taking you a year to find a job? And so Norm, you know, all women have it easier. If God had made me a woman, I'd never be out of work. To which Cliff just looks at him sideways and said, yeah, as long as there are carnivals. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part about that isn't just Cliff's line, but it cuts back to Diane across the bar. She's (laughs) taking a drink, and she's kind of snickering under her breath. It's one of the things that a show will occasionally do is it'll let the actors – it'll let the characters – laugh at the jokes that the other characters are saying and let them like kind of live in the moment that that was a joke and that was funny and so yeah i liked i love that line i love that setup and the fact that diane is able to laugh at that too how about you what what was your home run of the evening (laughs) so it's he wasn't my my uh favorite actor of the episode but he just completely stole the moment because of how seemingly like out of nowhere this whole moment comes is diane is there she told sam that to expect a phone call from her prospective boss, he has to call for recommendation. And the phone rings, and the coach picks it up, and he's like, hello? He's like, Hedges. And then she's like, oh yeah, it's my new boss. He's like, are you the Dougie Hedges that owes me 50 bucks? <laughs> and just starts yelling at this guy across the phone. He's like, you, I told you I'd find you. You owe me that money. Give me. He's like, oh, of course, anybody can say they're not Dougie Hedges. <laughs> <laughs> and he even like sets him up. He's like, oh yeah, what was the color of Red Wilson's hair? Dougie! <laughs> if his name is Red Wilson, what do you expect him to answer? He's, just, he's screaming at him until finally Sam takes the phone. And, he, and Coach is furious. He's like, let me, get the, let me get the phone back when you're done. And then when Diane finally slams the phone down because she's disgusted by it, and Coach is just like, well, that's 50 bucks I'm never going to get back. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was really good. Because, yeah, yeah, like you just, said, it was just out of nowhere. Yeah, like, <laughs> from like... Coach, who's usually so soft-spoken and everything, to just all of a sudden be screaming at this guy over the telephone. Are you the Dougie Edge that owes me 50 bucks? It's like, what? Where is this? Hey, 50 bucks was a lot of money back then. Of course, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> still. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun episode. I mean, all every episode is a fun episode. They're all really funny. They're all really good. It's, it's a strange episode because it does kind of put one really awkward part of the Sam and Diane romance. It, it, it puts it front and center and puts, 
I think would say it, it puts a band-aid on something that should be a gaping wound. Like, <laughs> why are these people working together? This is really complicated, especially in you know, 2019 in the modern context. And yeah. the way they behave is just completely unprofessional, borderline criminal sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're also talking about a bar that only has two barkeepers and two waitresses. And, well, as the was, entire staff. And that was the other thing that I thought of. Diane has been gone looking for work for two weeks, and Sam hasn't replaced her? It's, well, it could, it could be that Carla just likes the extra tips. I, I mean, I can see her needing it for the size of yeah. her family, and I can also see her not wanting to go home based on her family. So <laughs> I don't need a day off. I'll work seven <laughs> days. No problem. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, well, Gene, thank you very, very much for helping me cover this episode of Cheers. Um, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you online or in the podcastosphere? Well, right now, the only regular place you can find me is the Class 1000 Marvel Superheroes live action role playing podcast. That comes out once a month on the first of the month, uh, where it's basically my group of high school friends sit down and play the, the old TSR Marvel game, and you get to listen in. Just make sure you are wearing headphones and you're not around <laughs> anyone at all, because... This is a bunch of guys who've known each other since high school playing a kid's game, and it can get a little out there. I've actually, believe it or not, I've actually had to bleep something already. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, I am doing this kind of thing. I'm doing guest spots everywhere, and I want to thank you very much for having me on for one such spot, Ryan. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure we can probably have you on for two such spots before long. Oh, uh, that would be nice. And, you know, that's not hinting at everything, anything oh, for no, a few, not weeks, all. A few weeks from now. So, <laughs> uh, Well, thank you very much again for being on the show. Listeners, as always, thank you very much for tuning in. Please support the show on Facebook and Twitter. Please leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And please go on over to iTunes if you haven't already and leave us a nice, juicy five-star review. It'll help other people find the show. And until next time, we're closed. Cheers. Yeah, he's in the back. Who can I say is calling? Hedges? Oh, Coach, that's my boss. You the ducky Hedges who owes me 50 bucks? (laughs) Oh, sure. Anybody can say they're not ducky Hedges. (laughs) No, Coach. What was the color of Red Wilson's hair? Ducky! Come on, come on, let me have it. Yeah. Give it back to me through. <laughs> <laughs>